Hi, my name is Sambo Siddiqui, Mayor of Cambridge. And I'm Alana Mellon, Vice Mayor, and this is our podcast, Women Are Here. We're here. It's August. We're, we're here. It's a Monday. Uh, Monday scaries is a new term. Every day scaries, right? <laughs> it's, yeah, blurs day. Every day is the same day. Um, so, yeah, I think we were going to do this on Friday, but we were both kind of fried, fried on Friday. So here we are Monday, fresh from the weekend. Right? Everybody fresh. Uh, are we, yeah, I this weekend just flew by. It did. It was so nice out because it was like what seventy five. So nice. I really and, uh, enjoyed it. I I want to shout out a friend, um, my friend Julia Randall. She uh, basically knows how much I love seltzer, and she went to Costco, <laughs> and she got me this huge variety pack of seltzer. As a as a like a gift and like dropped it at my house and so that was the highlight uh, and I just want to say thank you because she's a friend from high school um, she's a doctor she's really great um, I love and, that it's so easy to make you happy I it, it really is and I think that that did it for me so shout out to you for that seltzer it's gotten me by <laughs> uh, I just I love being stopped because I when I run out of seltzer I will text everyone and be like oh I'm out of seltzer I have to go get <laughs> <laughs> and I have a soda stream, but I do not use that anyway. Well, I mean, it's like with the flavors and yeah. Much. I it's brought fun. it to the city hall office and like, I don't, you don't even use it there. I'm just like, get me my polar, get me my LaCroix, get me, you know, anyway, that's what's giving me going. What's keeping you going? Um, like I said, the weather this weekend was really good. Um, we did a little room redecorating for my 12 year old who decided that if she's going to be in her room, uh, all fall, possibly all winter, that she wanted it to be a little bit more updated. Um, so we did that this weekend. And so it's actually kind of fun to have some, like a project to focus on. Um, and she's really you, happy. you texted me being like, Jasper, like, decorate her room. And she's so happy. And I was waiting for pictures. Oh, I didn't send you any pictures. That's no, so funny. You just sent me that text. <laughs> I was like, thanks for the update. <laughs> You'll love it. It's it, it turned out really nicely. And like I said, she's happy, but I, so she's my youngest and, um, I'm just not ready for her to be like a teen, you know? Ooh, I know. I remember that age. I know. And she's like, now she just like goes in and closes the door. And I remember being that age and like loving my room and being in my room and yeah, I don't want my parents in my room ever. Like, just like you could stand in the doorway, but like, don't come in. And anyway, I just, it's like, I'm ready for them to be older and I love this age for both of them. They're both like curious and they're interesting and, um, but like, I don't know, all of a sudden it's like, they're going to leave someday. Like we were cleaning out her room and I was thinking, it feels like we're going to just, I'm going to blink my eyes and we're going to be cleaning this out for her to go away to college. And I don't know. I just got, got really emotional this weekend. Oh. which I wasn't expecting. I was like, clean it out. Like clean. I was, you know, thinking of garbage bags and being really excited about cleaning out so much trash in her room, but I really just, I don't know, just feeling. Well, you'll get some quality time with her this fall. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I haven't had a minute alone since March. Right. It's really wild. Like for somebody who craves alone time, I don't know about you, but I really crave that alone time. It's like a recharge time. And but man, I haven't had any of it. And so it's like, it's wild. I mean, you live by yourself, right? So what's that like? What's that like? 
<laughs> I know, I know. I mean, I'm never here, so like, I'm like living at City Hall. Oh, well, so I don't feel that alone. That's all. That's also depressing. <laughs> that's not real depressing. Anyway, let's move on. <laughs> um, yeah. So actually, I've been listening to this really cool podcast called Nice White Parents. Have you heard of this? I listened to the first episode. You did? What did you think? It's wild. It's wild. Yeah. I mean, I think I, I, it made me want to listen to more, but what I listened to, like, kind of shocked me and then kind of didn't, you know, but I was, it was just, it was a lot. Yeah. So the, it's the a, characters, yeah. The, the characters and then like, it's really so charged. So it's, um, it's a new podcast by Serial Productions, and it follows a public school in Brooklyn, IS-293, as it's taken over by, you know, nice white parents who want to make it a French um, dual language immersion middle school. So the first episode, right, is about how all these white parents come in, start this huge fundraising effort um, and to get it to be this French immersion school. Um, and then they team up with the French embassy in New York City, and they throw a gala uh, uptown Manhattan for a school that primarily had been... Um, low-income black and brown students and so like their PTO would do bake sales and you know like the normal you know school stuff and then all of a sudden they, all these white parents showed up um, and now they're having this like swanky gala <laughs> at their French embassy to raise tens of thousands of dollars to start this new program. So the reporter that chronicles it um, her name's Ch Chana Jaffe Walt so she does a deep dive into this one particular school and it's passed and it's not the first time, you know, as you go into the later episodes, it's not the first time that white parents um, have tried to take it over to serve their own kids, always in the name of equity and advancing what they call either integration or diversity. So whether it's the latest iteration of this, you know, dual immersion language program, or they have a gifted and talented program, or there was a, a you know, a push to, to move the school when it was being built um, in the 60s closer to the white neighborhood so that it would be integrated. So the podcast is all about how schools, not just this one particular school in New York City, but it's really about this public schools in general, how they cater to white parents, whether they attend the schools or not. So sometimes it's about attracting white parents um, that determines the curriculum where the school is built or um, another alternative track that might be developed. I just think it's you know a, a must listen for white parents here in Cambridge as we grapple with this issue of equity and diversity and inclusion and um, good intentions and how um, those good intentions may have really um, unintended consequences or intended consequences. Um, it's been a hard one for me to listen to because I've definitely seen myself in some of these episodes and some of these nice white parents in a way mm. that I hadn't before. And so, you know, each episode I'm really grappling with my own complicitness in fundraising or, um, you know, school politics, PTO stuff. Uh, so I've listened to all four episodes. I've listened to them while I run. Um, it's been really good. But then there are times sometimes where I'm like, oh, you know, like you get punched in the gut by something that some, somebody says, or it's really been, a, it's, I, I, I highly recommend it, especially uh, if you're a white parent here in Cambridge, if you're thinking about schools and how we need to be anti-racist, it's, um, it's definitely timely. It's timely. And it, it's amazing because it takes place over like five years. This reporter like kind of embeds herself for five years. Um, just to really track this one school and, and to see uh, what happens there. So 
I definitely, I highly recommend that you listen to the, the next three. I'm not sure how many total they're going to be. I just, I think it should just go on forever. <laughs> yeah, I know, perpetual. Yeah, I'll definitely have to take a listen. Um, I, I just got AirPods. Ooh, so it's fancy. One of those people now, by the way, it's kind of great. <laughs> um, I was always like, oh, who has AirPods? I called them the earpods for the longest time. So I've been like trying to do the podcast thing while I, clean or do something so mm, mm-hmm. these three um the next episodes of nice white parents so some updates for everyone uh, uh for covid so there are right now about around 114,000 cases um of covid and as of this morning um over 1.4 uh, million massachusetts residents have been tested for covid Yes. Yeah, so, wow. That that feels like a lot, um, but apparently we are we're testing um, at a much lower rate than someplace like New York, yep. um, which is what I read this morning in the Globe. Uh, mm-hmm. So we really do need to ramp up our testing. I think we're doing a great job here in Cambridge. So the Cambridge Public Health Department has reported that a total of 1,257 Cambridge residents have tested positive for COVID-19 since March. And we're, um, 99 residents have passed away. And I feel like that number hasn't changed uh, at least in a month, if not over. So yeah. knock on wood there. The state has been reporting new positive cases in the, you know, in the 200s and low 300s per day for the past few weeks. But our overall positivity rate, the seven-day average is at 1.4%, which is much uh, lower than it has been. I think we, when we reported a few weeks ago, it was um, 2.1%. So we are, we are seeing um, some positive trends and trends in the right direction here in Massachusetts. But um, like I said, there was a Boston Globe article this morning about how New York's state is actually doing a better job recovering than Massachusetts. And some of the reasons they got into um, were interesting. Yeah, I, I saw that this morning too. And last week we had this Metro Mayor's call and there was Dr. Bittinger from MGH on it. and. He, talking about a lot of the clusters that are coming up and mm. talking about how uh, the really eating and drinking in congregate in indoor settings mm. is is one um and uh you know we so that was uh, it, you know because people are doing the outdoor dining now and but there are quite a few places that are open for um indoor dining uh but yeah that so it was uh, he said a lot more but um i think as we've said all along, the testing is really key um, to, and we've, there's a few, you know, there's some no more, um, a lot of the articles coming out about the, some new testing and you and I have been on um, a lot of calls about rapid testing, mm-hmm. um, but hopefully there's more to come there. But I think, cause we, I think we can move in a direction that is um, very similar to where New York's numbers are. Um, yeah, cause I think New York City doesn't have indoor dining open now right oh yeah i think yeah mm-hmm. and um in that same article they were saying 10 percent of new positive cases across the country in different places are due to indoor dining right. um, indoor eating and dining so yeah um it'll remain to be seen whether or not the governor will roll back um indoor dining it's or I mean, even i think gyms too <laughs> um yeah i, I just Anyway, we can go on, but <laughs> we um, in the in the city, there's been a lot around schools reopening, um, and whew, 
that's where my persistent permanent eye twitch uh, is, is coming from. Uh, so the school committee voted on August 6th on uh, the superintendent's uh, proposed reopening uh, model. Uh, it was a long six hour special meeting. And prior to that, we had um, a few, you know, very similar meetings. So it was, it was a difficult um, decision, but I think we as a committee also realized that you know there are a lot of still a lot of unknowns and so we wanted to come up with certain uh contingencies um you know that would go along with the plan and so some of these contingencies if these all these contingencies aren't met um in some fashion that we wouldn't be returning anyone uh to in person so right now the model really is a remote learning model for grades four to twelve and then we're giving families a choice uh, for in-person school uh, four days uh, per week. So that's preschool to third grade. That's um, grades two and three. There's, we have, you know, more limited capacity for those classrooms. Um, and overall, we, you know, want to prioritize uh, this uh, substantially separate education programs in the sheltered English immersion programs. And that's for um, preschool through grade 12. Um, but the key is right now to to open in stages to really support planning, training, um, and so the, the key dates we've discussed are it would, September 1st would be staff planning, training, family conferences. Um, September 16th, the students would begin school with half days, um, and then the September 21st would be a transition to full full days um, in person. Um, so that's that's you know, I think where we are right now is we're, we're looking through these contingencies, one of which, you know, is supposed to be met by next week, which is the testing plan. Um, you know, the first contingency was that the school community approved this plan as detailed um, contingent about a routine testing and surveillance testing plan for anyone returning to classrooms. Uh, and so anyone includes, you know, obviously all the staff, educators, and children. Um, and so that's being planned right now in conjunction with uh, the Cambridge Public Health Department and has to be reviewed by us. Uh, I think testing, most places can't do testing and there's been a big question around, well, we have educators, you know, coming from districts that won't offer testing. Uh, I've been told by DESE, uh, Department of Education, Secondary Education, um, on a call last week of a bunch of school committee members, that they are figuring out a rapid testing model that they, the state would provide to school districts in hmm. some fashion. That those details aren't available yet. I'm hoping that the next few days they will be available. Desi, um, as we mentioned at the last week's city council school committee roundtable, also shared some metrics that that um, to select to select a school reopening model. These came out after we'd voted and actually after many districts had voted on the reopening plan. And so I think some of these I feel like Jesse is like a day late and a dollar short in this. Oh, you know, 100%. It's just, it's been uh, horrible is a nice word uh, <laughs> to, to describe Jesse at this point in time. Um, there's just been no, um, there's no just guidance. Like, do whatever you want. Um, anyway, uh, we've, you know, went ahead and you know, had a discussion on our own metrics. Um, 
using, you know, some of the working with some of the different um, experts in the community, uh, and you know, we we taking into account, you know, the the case count, um, the positivity rate, and then um, sewage monitoring. Um, and then now we're going to be combining, we're going to be also, these metrics don't really, the, well, the guidance that was published doesn't really change our plan. I think actually, if we're going by it, you know, the green, if we're in the green, we'd, we would, um, the, there's an art, the, someone said that we'd be, should be opening to much more, um, we'd be, we should be opening to more grades. Uh, to so yeah, and the way that I understand the DESI um, guidelines and the guidelines from the governor is if you have zero to four new cases per day, um, you're in the green, which means that you can you can open to more grades, like you just said. And then yeah. if it's four to eight um, new cases per day, then you're in the yellow, and then you have to be like more of a hybrid. And then if you're over eight, then it's fully remote, um, which to me just felt like was really tight, right? Yeah. So all of a sudden, you know, so we have about two to three new cases a day. So if we go up to four, then our, this, the model that you guys voted on is still in place, right? But if yes. all of a sudden we have nine per day, then everyone's re remote. Is that right? Right. And then what happens if all of a sudden, like that nine becomes, you know, five again, then do we go back to the hybrid? Yeah. How I flexible mean, whole thing like are we going in and out and in and out so I guess that was my question really it's not just about like we're going to open or not open or hybrid based on these it's like it seems very fluid yeah and I think those questions came up we we're like this it's it's almost too broad and just taken by itself and doesn't give really much guidance in a way um and so as to you know just to your point you know how fluid is it so they then said on that call you know we're going to give some more additional guidance on uh, on this in the next few days still haven't heard so it's it's been you know an interesting and frustrating experience with them because it you know as it just hasn't been um clear directions of you know this is what we think you should do they they're met very much um you know things are going to change and you'll have some more time to make decisions and but we don't have that much time it's august 17th and they released this last week yeah no and i think I, I just feel like every minute that this 351 cities and towns in massachusetts spent on putting together their own metrics um was precious time the school districts didn't have to plan for you know, remote learning or hybrid learning or ventilation or any of the number of things that we need um, our educators and our school districts to do. Like all of that should have been taken off of the plate of each and individual city and town, right? Yeah. Testing, metrics, like all of the big picture stuff should have been taken right, off right. The plate of every single city and town. And it's it's been really frustrating to watch. Um, I can't imagine it has been any less frustrating <laughs> to actually be in the thick of this um, and, and just be getting no guidance and to be, you know, and the thing is then you have to be out in front. So like you and me and, um, you know, district leaders and 
the biotech community have been having conversations about testing for how like for two months now, right? Maybe even longer. And so now all of a sudden Desi is going to come out this week or next week with some guidance around testing. Welcome to the party. Right. Anyway, it's just, I, it's, this has been a, it's been a really challenging conversation because it's pitted teachers mm -hmm. against parents, against school administration. Um, and, you know, during a time where we really all needed to come together and, and figure this out. So it's just been very unfortunate and I'm very disappointed in the, the lack of guidance from the governor and from the department of ed yeah. uh, on this issue. And you must be, you must be too. No, yeah, I have so much to say, but. So, so <laughs> the first contingency is the testing because that's the first date, which is the 24th. So you guys will be voting on that contingency. Like what's the next steps? Those are my questions. Yeah. Well, we're supposed to be having um, another special meeting this Thursday um, to, to, you know, to, we were talking about, we were talking about remote learning uh, and voting on some superintendent recommendations. And then the plan is to also get the update on this um, to, to prepare for um, probably a, a vote next week um, or even Thursday um, on the plan. So that's supposed to happen. So I'll, I'll send some details out. It has to be posted, but we've been figuring out a, a meeting schedule on this. And then tomorrow we, act, we have an executive session on a few other things, but one of the things we're doing and I'm doing uh, behind the scenes is operationalizing some of these um, metrics, uh, not these metrics, these, contingen these contingencies and kind of timelining them. And uh, because we didn't have ex timelines for all of them, it was kind of more, um, broad based mm -hmm. and you know one of the contingencies is you know having a discussion with the city council department of human services and city of cambridge on childcare options for families and educators right so right. that's so broad but i think what you know you, you and i know we're, we're we're having those conversations and uh, there's a lot coming out of them so what does that look like right like the special at that special meeting on august 3rd um we put in a motion uh, on the city side to say let's let's do something uh, and and come up with what are what are the what what can be done here and we've certainly seen models elsewhere you know you were mentioning Boston um, uh, and so there's some we have to have some further conversations on that so the next steps really are figuring out um, timelines uh, and I'll have some more information soon. Uh, on all that that I could share. Okay, well, we will keep us posted. Um, speaking of schools, uh, I held a hearing last week uh, at the University Relations Committee with the three higher ed institutions in Cambridge, Harvard, MIT, and Leslie Universities about their plans to bring students back this month. I think there's been a big fear in the community about possibly tens of thousands of college students descending on Cambridge and coming from parts of the country and the world that may be more of COVID hotspots um, than here. So if you're one of those people, uh, let me put your mind at ease a little bit. So just to let everybody know um, what's happening at each university. So Harvard University will have less than 2,000 students, so 1,832 to be exact. 
living and learning on campus. Those are going to be mostly freshmen. Uh, when they arrive, they'll be tested and quarantined uh, in a single dorm and tested then again a week later. And the students can come out of quarantine after two positive PCR tests. And then they're tested three times a week after all that. Three times a week. So all of their classes are gonna be remote. So no staff or professors will be required to be on campus. So that's, it limits even further the number of people that will be on campus. And then food will be grab and go from the dining halls and students will have mini fridges and microwaves in their rooms. Um, it all sounded very depressing to me in terms of a college experience, but so that's what Harvard is doing. MIT will have around 2,600 students, mostly seniors and grad students living and learning on campus. They have the same protocol on arrival um, and they're doing their PCR testing two times a week. Uh, same grab and go model for food um, and then there'll be limited staff on campus because they are doing, you know, if you think about MIT and their lab classes, a lot of that you can't do remotely. Uh, so they are going to have in-person classes, but again, they, everyone will be tested twice a week. Leslie University will have around 300 students uh, on campus this fall, though never that many at the same time. They are not utilizing their dorms, so all housing will be off campus. Um, they're not using their dorms because they don't each have their own bathroom and they're reading the CDC guidelines as re requiring each student to have their own uh, bathroom to limit exposure to COVID-19. So um, they're looking to use area hotels to house the students. They're hoping um, not to just use one hotel or a couple of hotels and they become Leslie party hotels, but they're looking to spread them out um, and reduce the number of students at every, every, any given hotel. So their students, if they need to be on campus, will be tested while they're there. So if they need to be on campus that week, they'll get tested that week. And if they're not back for the next three weeks, they won't be tested. So all three student or universities are planning to send all their students home at Thanksgiving or before and not have students back on campus or in Cambridge until at least January. The spring semester will really be dictated by you know, the virus and where we are both um, you know, in Cambridge or nationally. Uh, so that's sort of unknown right now, but the plan right now is um, students will go home before Thanksgiving and no one will be back in Cambridge until at least January. So some of the things that came yeah. up at the meeting, um, I asked our public health department to track their cases as Cambridge cases, so versus like a student's home address. So if a student's home address is Miami, Florida, and they test positive, I wanna make sure that that doesn't get, you know, put into some Miami number, but it's actually tracked here in Cambridge. And then I asked our public health department to track their, um, the, to report that information separately on our daily counts so residents can see if there's a particular issue or cluster, much like we do for the long-term care facilities, how we separate cases in community and then long-term care facilities. I think it'd be interesting or informative to have uh, universities separate out, out as well. Yeah, no, it was, um, I'm glad that you held these hearings. Um, one thing I had a question about and maybe it came up so the grad students, right, that are returning, um, I've, someone brought, you know, asked me this yesterday, they were like, oh, are the universities tracking anyone who comes back, a grad student, but is living off campus? So it's my understanding that grad students, so MIT grad students will be living in grad student MIT housing. Okay. Huh. Is, I, you know. I, I know some grad students who are moving into like an off-campus, mm -hmm. um, I think they're Sloan students, um, 
but they're living off campus. And so I, I don't know. I, I want, that's something I want to do follow up. I'm like, how do they, I think it'd be, I think we should, you know, we know that there's a whole market of grad students who do live off campus mm -hmm. usually and, usually. Have, and have been since the pandemic. Well, right. That's true. Right. And so anyway, I don't know if that came up, but it's something that I was going to ask you and Sarah about um, because I, I just, I think there is that market. And so either that market is, you know, people are really not, um, they've been move, moving, but I, I think there are people, I, I have heard that there are folks moving back um, and their grad students and they're going to just be off campus because well, of the, yeah. I can, yeah, I can check in with um, MIT about that. It was my, I was under the impression that the grad students that were going to be living and learning are all living in, in on grad, campus yeah. grad student housing. But you're right, there are like a number of people that have been living on campus in grad student housing as well as off campus since, I mean, they live here, right? <laughs> like their, their kids go to school here, they're members right. of the community. So yeah, let me check in with her and see, or with MIT and see uh, on that, and then whether or not they have to get tested, et cetera. That's a good question. Yeah. It did not come up. So, so yeah, we're putting people at ease. I think these numbers, they put me at ease for sure. I think when we think about our community uh, and, and, and cases, uh, I think, you know, one of the slides I remember saying was like, at some point, like 19,000 students, um, and it was a Harvard slide that said, you know, at one time, like last year, or um, maybe, I don't know when they used it, but comparing it to the number now. Um, yeah, it's very, very small, right? So if you think about all three institutions, there'll be around 4,700 students coming back to Cambridge. And if I think about, I mean, it's hard to remember, um, it's hard to remember March, but <laughs> I don't know if you remember that MIT was like, well, um, in early March, we're sending all of our students home. Then they degensified their campus within a week. And Harvard did the same thing. So they were the first in the country, or the first in the region, I should say, um, to do that. And they led the way. So I think, you know, the, the small number of students that are coming back and the fact that I know how committed they are to de-densifying their campus, if, mm -hmm. you know, cases go up or if they end up having clusters, um, we'll keep on top of this and it's something that I'm committed to as the chair of the University Relations Committee to make sure that um, A, the information is out to the residents, um, but B, that um, we keep in close communication. I know that they're in daily communication with our public health department uh, around um, how to bring back students safely and we'll continue throughout the fall to make sure that our residents are safe in the community. Definitely. So now we have some updates before we leave you. Um, the, we wanted to update you that the city of Cambridge is relocating the temporary emergency shelter at the War Memorial Recreation Center to a city-funded temporary emergency homeless shelter in the east wing of the Spalding Hospital facility located at 1575 Cambridge Street. And the city manager told us told um, this to us last, I don't even know what week it was, but recently. Um, and the, he said 57 beds? Yes. Um, so that's an update. Uh, what else? Um, oh, a big one that's been coming up is voting. Um, yes. 
So because of the COVID pandemic, we are now in Massachusetts allowed to vote by mail. Um, so there was applications that were sent out mid-July. If you mailed your application to vote by mail, um, our update is that all Cambridge ballots should be mailed out today, uh, Monday, August 17th. I, I looked online and my status now says mailed as of Friday. So I'll be looking out for my ballot coming in the mail early this week. Uh, you can check on your ballot status at the Secretary of State website. Um, you can Google check my ballot status Massachusetts and fill in your information and then the status will come up whether it's pending or mailed. And then when you get your ballot to return it, you can either pop it right in the mail or return it to the Election Commission Dropbox. Um, if you don't want your ballot to go through the mail knowing that there have been some concerns around the mail uh, lately, we have a Dropbox. It is in the basement of 51 Inman Street, uh, which is um, right behind the City Hall Annex. So to return your ballot, you can go to the Dropbox in the basement of 51 Inman Street using the side door on Inman Place. The door is locked, but there's a staff member assigned to door duty and will let you in. We're trying to get more drop boxes for the primary uh, and the city has ordered five outdoor drop boxes for the general election, which we hope will be installed in October. But um, early voting will start soon. The other thing is that some of our uh, election uh, polling locations for the September 1st primary needed to change. Uh, some of them were too small for social distancing. So we moved a bunch of the polling locations into uh, larger locations like schools for the primary and for the general. So you should be getting postcards in the mail soon, letting you know where your po polling location has been moved to, if it has been moved. Um, but if you have questions about that, you can um, go into our election commission webpage and there's an updated list of where polling locations are. So a lot of voting information. We've got a primary uh, in two weeks from tomorrow. Uh, we've got a big race uh, in the Senate seat between uh, Ed Markey and Joe Kennedy. So definitely make a plan for yourself to vote. If you have requested a ballot by mail, but you now you decide you want to just do in-person early voting, you can do that too. Um, just because you mailed in your application doesn't mean that you can't go early or on the day of. Um, it's just, uh, you just can't vote twice. You can't mail in your ballot and also go. So make a plan, check out your status of your ballot, um, and then definitely, definitely use the, the Dropbox at 51 Inman Street. It's the quickest way to get right back to the Election Commission and make sure that your ballot is counted. So yeah, definitely vote by mail. Really encouraging that. Um, it's the safest yeah. way to do it and keep everyone safe and healthy. Exactly. So what else? We, um, we have some library updates. Uh, all locations are now accepting returns and um, the contact plus hold pickups have expanded to the Central Square Library. Um, the this week's Kids Books to Go location is on Wednesday from 12 to 3 at the Boudreaux branch on Carcad Avenue in West Cambridge. I don't think I've been to that branch ever. I have not either. You haven't? Like, mm -hmm. is you, oh wow, okay. I felt like bad. It's like, oh my God, I can't believe I haven't been to all the libraries, but. So that's one I haven't been to. I also haven't been to the one at the Peabody School. Oh, that was my library. I love that library. It looks cute. I just, and so does the Boudreaux, Boudreaux branch. Um, but I just, <laughs> I'm never in West Cambridge anymore, so. There's another branch, right? Um, the Aberdeen Street branch. Definitely haven't been to that one. That one's cute. I have been there. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> that one's really cute. Okay, well. 
one day we'll check them all out. <laughs> That'll be fun. Uh, and then the, earlier this uh, last week, the Cambridge Public Library began uh, providing Chromebook, Chromebook laptops for check checkout through their contactless holds pickup service. Do those come with um, a hotspot too? Um, I don't think so. I mean, one of the things, you know, one of the things that people use the library for really is internet service, especially if you're job hunting or, um, you know, checking on your social security benefits. That's been uh, kind of a, uh, one of the reasons the library is being closed has been such a... You know what? Yeah, the, the, they, the, the mobile hotspots are um, going to be available soon. And one oh. thing I did ask um, about was, you know, we have the CPS, helping CPS families with the Comcast code. Right. Like, why can't we extend that to, you know, our, you know, learners who are in and who need these Chromebooks too? Uh, I'm blanking on the name, but the, oh, my friend worked as a teacher. Um, oh, the charter schools? No, not the charter schools. The, um, see, the Cambridge Learning Center. Oh, yes. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, I haven't gotten an answer on that. But anyway, they're going to be the, you know, Chromebook is useless without. Correct. Yeah, that's what I was trying to say. Yeah. So, yeah, that was one of the early questions. I was like, "We're doing this, but <laughs> um, are you know, are we thinking through like all those other pieces?" So, right, because normally you'd be able to go to a coffee shop and you know hook up to their Wi-Fi. But that does—that's not a thing anymore. And so, yeah, having that um, hotspot is critical. Uh, one of the other things, so on August 4th, the city hosted its second community webinar to provide details about the proposed streets that we're thinking about adding to the shared streets network. You can look at the proposed additions and share your feedback if you go to cambridgema.gov slash COVID-19 and then click on uh, street updates. There's a spot there. You can watch the webinar. You can um, provide feedback if your street or one of the streets in your neighborhood um, is a proposed change, uh, whether or not you like that, and if you have any updates on that. I mean, I, it's funny, I, <laughs> the one on Harvard Street has been such, a, such an amazing addition um, to my daily life, you know, just being able to be out and exercise and walk and um, just be able to do it socially distance. I think it's heavily used in my neighborhood um, so there are a lot more proposed streets that they're thinking about in East Cambridge, some in West Cambridge, um, even a few in Strawberry Hill. So check those out and uh, let us know what you think. Yeah, um, I think that's all the updates we have for you today. Um, I'm, oh, there's a meeting uh, on Wednesday. The uh, ordinance committee will oh, be yeah. <laughs> about the affordable housing overlay. Um, that is at 5 p.m. Um, it will be streamed uh, online, and also there will be a Zoom um, link that uh, people can access it. If if Zoom is easier for you, then then look watching it um, either streaming it on your computer or watching it on TV. So that is happening at five o'clock. Um, it's probably going to be a long one, I would imagine. Um, there's going to be a lot to discuss and work through. And um, this was a big topic of conversation last year, and it is finally coming back to the Ordinance Committee. Um, I think it's going to be um, an interesting evening. And our, we had one, we had a meeting in, our, in July um, of, for just public comment. Or was it mm -hmm. June? 
I don't remember the days, but we had, this is our, I think, second ordinance meeting. Yeah, so it was, it was recessed, so there will not be public comment at this um, particular meeting. It will just be for the uh, ordinance committee members to work through any proposed amendments or um, any last you know, issues with the, the overlay. And it went to the planning board and it was um, a seven to, I think it was, was it unanimous? It was not unanimous. Seven to one? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So we'll in, in favor of, of advancing it and moving it forward. So um, I look forward to the conversation on Wednesday night. I hope you can join us. It's at, like I said, it starts at five o'clock and uh, we will let you know the outcome of that meeting uh, when we next get back to you on this podcast. So thank you everyone for joining us. Um, I hope you're staying safe and healthy and well. Um, we miss seeing everybody out and about, but this is a small way for us to get back and in communication with everybody and let you know what's happening here in the city of Cambridge. And our handles are. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and I should know your handle a lot now. And I'm at A-M-M-A-L-L-O-N. And I think <laughs> I'm at uh, Mayor Siddiqui, I think. I'm so bad with Twitter and all the Instagram and the social media. Thank well, you. Huge shout out to my chief of staff. I was going to say, whoever's doing it for you is doing a great job. Marilyn McCormick, yeah. yeah. Okay, well, I hope everyone has a great rest of the week and that it's uh, less scary for you. Yep. All right. Talk to you soon. Take care. Bye. Bye.